At New Belgium Brewing, we celebrate the autumn harvest by mashing pale and wheat malt with rye and oats to create a creamy cornucopia of hoppiness. Hoptober Golden Ale. Five hops form a bonfire of citrus notes, fruity cheers, and a bold finale. Throw another log on the fire and enjoy. Employee-owned, wind-powered, committed to sustainability, New Belgium Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. Find your flavor online at newbelgium.com. With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. It's a ritual now, honed to perfection after almost six years. I brew a jug of strong coffee, make a tub of pasta salad to avoid the horror of fast food, and stuff almost forgotten items into one last bag. Dan ferries our gear outside, and no matter the weather or time of day, takes a long moment to visualize his plan of attack. He methodically finds a place for each piece of gear. Tent, sleeping bags, kites, harnesses and shoes, rack, crash pad, boards, guitar. Depending on the season, either a stand-up paddleboard or toolie packed with skis goes on top. Grace, who shared Dan's lofted bunk bed in college before I showed up, refuses to budge from the driveway, always fearing we might not take her. When Dan is done, we lock the house, set the dog in her perch behind the driver's seat, and take off in the direction of our destination of choice. Our car rides follow a predictable rhythm. The real world follows us across the city limits and into the surreal landscape of suburbia. A new jobs report. Public radio provides the backdrop as we recount our recent days at work, question whether we paid a bill or remember to lock the back door. Eventually our airwaves are overtaken by Rush Limbaugh and his ilk, so we queue up new albums and the latest podcast to get us stoked for the trip. When those run out, we set the iPod to background music and start to unwind. Our car always saddles us with guilt. We eat locally, bike around town, and otherwise strive toward a low-carbon lifestyle. We rationalize. We're a one-car family, and we avoid driving altogether when we're home in the city. We fantasize about how we could go carless, buy into a car share program, use rental cars, or take trains or buses when we travel. But we just can't bring ourselves to do it. We need the car. It's our ticket out of wherever we are in the world, and out of our own heads. We load it to the brink with any and all items we might conceivably need, and we set off. To Cape Hatteras, Utah, Colorado, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Northern Minnesota, Montana, Asheville, Charlottesville. And it keeps us sane. Owning our very own gas-guzzling, resource-sucking, air-polluting car allows us to take off at a moment's notice toward beaches or mountains, snow or sand. When work, school, or life is getting to be too much, we need something that can take us anywhere we need to go. My parents bought me an old Jeep Grand Cherokee when I was 16 
perhaps sensing that I would indeed follow through on a middle school journal entry. My dream was to attend college in Colorado. Sure enough, the boxy maroon Jeep and I made our way west from Maryland to Boulder the fall I turned 18 to attend the University of Colorado. She was still with me when Dan and I met in a Literature of the American West class. I had recently learned to sport climb, and the Jeep ferried us to Golden Cliffs with the words of Edward Abbey, Jim Harrison, and Vine Deloria on our minds. Dan, always the scholar, devoured John Long's How to Rock Climb, and soon began steering us to trad climbs on the Flatirons and in Boulder Canyon and Eldo. When winter snow made even bouldering on Flaggy impossible, we would stuff the jeep full of people, skis, and boards, add a few gallons of Carlo Rossi and Papa vodka, and head to the mountains. In those days, the trips allowed us to escape situations that now seem inconsequential, the stifling Greek scene, term papers, and difficult roommates. After a few too many off-road camping trips, transmission-busting climbs up I-70, and other more or less responsible outings, the Jeep had developed the habit of stalling in the middle of intersections, a terrifying situation. So we put an ad on Craigslist, said our goodbyes, and sold her to a Spanish-speaking gentleman for $600 cash. The police called a few weeks later to ask whether our car had been stolen. We assured them that we had signed it over willingly, and asked whether something was wrong. Apparently, the Jeep and her new owner had been apprehended near the Mexican border a few days after the purchase. When the authorities declined to provide more details, we consoled ourselves with assurances that it was a fitting end, one last adventure, albeit a thwarted one, for such an adventurous gal. The red leaves are falling, detaching from branches, they're filling my cup from half empty to With graduation looming, my grandparents surprised me with an offer for a new car. I was working at a newspaper in Greeley, an hour away, and desperately needed the transportation. So Dan and I settled on a beautiful blue Subaru Outback. Somewhat safer and more fuel efficient than the Jeep, but nonetheless able to deliver us off the beaten track. With two friends, we set our sights on Red Rocks and loaded Sube to the gills. We pulled into Vegas on a sweltering summer afternoon, took in the glitz just long enough to locate provisions, and hightailed it to our BLM campsite. The next day, we decided to warm up on the classic cat in the hat. We narrowly escaped a night on the rock after getting stuck behind a clueless party whose crowning accomplishment was dislodging a refrigerator-sized boulder by yanking the rope free on their descent. We thanked the desert gods when we reached the parking lot, hours after dark, shivering and hungry, and took the next day off for some relaxation, bouldering, and cavern exploration. At night, we reveled in the beauty of the sun setting on red ochre canyon walls, and treated sore muscles with camp stove concoctions and a past bottle. The sun it is sinking into water that's drinking its nuclear fire and snuffing it out. A smattering of colors, red, yellow, bright oranges fade out of the sky. We returned to Boulder, and Dan and I set to offloading everything we owned that wouldn't fit in the soup. With a handful of liberal arts and professional degrees under our belts, but no job prospects in sight. We decamped from our animal house existence, and seeking our purpose in life, 
headed east to an organic tomato and garlic farm in Virginia. A summer of 10-hour days in the field, six days a week, disabused us of the notion that we'd be farmers. So when Dan received a videography job offer from a CBS sports affiliate, we drove to Minneapolis and found ourselves sleeping at Dan's parents' house in his childhood bed. In the years since then, we've bought a home in Minneapolis that we now share with Helena, our almost two-year-old daughter. It's harder now to get away. We have jobs, a mortgage, and responsibilities in our community. Dan has to think longer about how to piece the gear together in the car, and also car seat, baby backpack, stuffed animals. But we still manage to get away, to the mountains in the winter, and to Cape Hatteras in the Great Lakes in the summer. We've struggled with job searches, tight finances, and the usual travails of growing up. And Dan's mom, who instilled in him a love for travel and the outdoors and taught him how to read, ski, and garden, succumbed to an eight-month battle with breast cancer just a few months before Helena was born. These burdens dwarf the concerns of our college-aged selves, but our coping strategy of choice still serves us well. When the Minneapolis snow threatens to bury our souls in addition to our sidewalks, or we're overwhelmed by jobs, memories, or the distance of out-of-town loved ones, I brew the coffee and pack up the baby, and Dan ferries our bags to the same soup we've had since college. We head east, west, north, or south, out of our everyday. The new albums, podcasts, and conversation have to wait until two dozen rounds of Itsy Bitsy Spider finally lull Helena to sleep. We drive all morning, park off a dirt road to make lunch, and watch her take her first steps with the scrublins, songbirds, and antelope in the background. We look into each other's eyes and smile. And when we turn the car back around toward home, the snow has melted, the sun is shining, and everything is new again. Some people are their own worst enemy. My name is Kelly Wilder, and this is my short. To themselves. When Kelly's not chasing Helena around, she and Dan are planning for their next escape. Music today by Dan Wilder, that's Kelly's husband. Also by Foreman Fate and Sarah McDougal. You can find the links to the music on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. After a summer of adventures, is your wardrobe looking a little shabby? Well, the diaries are here for you. We have t-shirts and sweatshirts for sale, including an all-new Three Types of Fun hoodie. Support our artist-in-residence Walker, also my brother, and stay warm in the process. You'll find a link at dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the shorts comes from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. Their Hoptober Golden Ale is perfect company as you gather around the last campfires of the year. Or grab a can of Ranger IPA 
or fat tire. Yep, you heard me right. Good beer in cans. Find out more at newbelgium.com. Support also comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Their new Vagabond roof rack integrates a front mount bike rack and gear basket. Perfect for your afternoon ride or road trips to wherever. Check it out and the rest of their line at kuatracks.com. Additional support comes from the good people at Patagonia. I'm Fitz Cajal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.